Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Do you feel like you're the only young person who cares about your Catholic faith? Do you look around at mass and only see silver foxes? We're Jake and Kathy, a young adult married couple, and we're here to tell you, you're not alone. That's why it's time to get Truth Pops. You're going to get a podcast designed specifically for you, a young adult Catholic in a pop culture world. The countdown is on for Truth Pop. We'll connect Christ into culture. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Jack. Sports Jack. It's Sports Jack. And once again, it's the return of the Sports Yak podcast, episode 237. It's the Carlos Santana episode. If only it were the Carlos Santana who's so smooth. (laughs) But it's the Carlos Santana that spent a lot of time with the Cleveland Indians in his career and has 237 career home runs. I was looking up the date real quick on our very first episode, and uh, yeah, we're in the same ballpark. September 10th, 2018. So happy two-year anniversary? That would be two years, Two years? Oh, we did have an episode on the 14th of 2008. Let me press a button here. Uh, It's the day before Game 3 of Notre Dame and Vandy. Purdue and IU, some high school game thoughts, favorite Commodore song, is Carrie Underwood's new Sunday night football song a dud or a hit? Where do we land on men's jewelers? <laughs> oh, we were just reaching for material, weren't we? The yak was a bit different in those days. <laughs> I'm not saying it was worse. I'm just saying it was a bit different. We were finding I mean, our footing. Look, one of the great yak discussions over the years was on chicken skins. You're right. So I'm just saying. Chicken skins. That's probably more memorable than anything that we actually discuss on this show. Family Broadcasting Corporation. In association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer, this one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever! I found myself scurrying to a television on Saturday because I wanted to see uh, your setup for your Countdown to Kickoff show uh, pre and post. I stuck around for the post. Oh, did you not? Kind of okay. wanted to see you at the anchors table because I thought you might have mentioned that's how that was going to look. Mm-hmm. But I would love to hear... Maybe uh, another perspective of the game that you didn't get to talk about on TV. Ooh, well, I think for me, the biggest thing that came out of this game for Notre Dame, and I know there are people that are disappointed in the way they play, and my goodness, I think most of those people are probably gamblers. Uh, Because (laughs) if you bet for them to cover, despite Uncle Chuck telling you on the pregame show that they would not cover, 
if you bet on them to lay the 20 and took the Irish, uh, you lost. So you're you're sitting there, and they didn't play well and things like that. Let's not kid ourselves. First quarter was awful. They were awful in the first quarter. And they got better each quarter as the game went on. So I think that's one thing that I saw that was a positive, is as each quarter went on, they looked more and more as you would expect them to look. Number two, I was really juiced about how many young players really shined in that game. Immediately. Yeah. Kyron Williams at running back. Terrific game. Over 200 yards total offense. Runs the ball hard. Runs it well. Not easy to bring down. And can catch the ball coming out of the backfield. That, those are two big positives to me from him. Michael Mayer, the tight end. That's a man right there. That is a man. He can play right now and showed it. They call him Baby Gronk because he wears 87, big tight end, runs over people. That was a huge conversion he made on the touchdown drive that put him back up after Duke had cut it to 17-13. Defensively, Isaiah Foskey, man, that guy at defensive end just dominated all day long. He's got such great size and long arms. We saw him last year block a punt against Stanford with those long arms. And he only played four games last year, so he's truly a redshirt freshman. And that's a that's a dude that's going to make some plays on the defensive side of the ball. So I really saw quite a bit from the young players on this team and that gives me a lot of hope that they're going to develop and be even better as the season goes along and push some of the veterans as well. I was uh, interested, and I think we should talk about this here, and it's happened multiple times over the summer. You get to um, submit your questions to Notre Dame football, and they might be chosen to be asked and answered. And you're you're seeing across the board media wise things aren't being asked this is awful this is an awful way of handling the media from Notre Dame and quite frankly it's completely out of character for the way they have run the sports information department uh, since the days of Charlie Callahan back in the 40s and 50s so Notre Dame had zoom conferences after the game for the players and coaching and that's perfectly understandable this season that's the way just about everybody is doing it so but the way everybody else is doing it is it's it's truly like a zoom call the people ask their own questions and the coach responds to whatever reporter is asking the question and and there's some interaction and yes there's going to be a time limit not everybody's going to have a chance to ask their question that's understood at these things but there are certain questions after that game that need to be asked and answered by the media and questions were submitted that weren't asked and answered Notre Dame selected what questions would be asked well for instance we didn't get an answer from the head coach as to why Braden Lindsay didn't play. Braden Lindsay listed number two on the depth chart behind Javon McKinley. Never saw the field. 
winning an answer as to what Kyle Hamilton's status was. Now, hopefully we'll get that today at another Brian Kelly press conference. And maybe right after the game, he doesn't know. But I'd like to hear that from the head coach. I'd like to know, is there, what is the severity? Do you know the severity of Kyle Hamilton's injury? And what is it? Now, we find out later it's a sprained ankle. But we still don't. Sprained ankle can be, ah, uh, you're out a couple of days. You're out a month. There, there are differences in the severity of that injury. These are questions the media should ask. They've been should, asked before. Should be allowed to ask that any head coach should be able to handle. And what, what concerns you is, let's say Notre Dame loses a game at home this year. And Brian Kelly goes for a two-point conversion when a lot of people think he shouldn't or makes a controversial decision sometime during the game. Well, the way Notre Dame ran it the other day, I don't have confidence that that question will be allowed to seep through. Now, I'll grant you, they're looking at a lot. I'm sure with 40 to 50 members of the press, because you don't have to be in the stadium to participate in these. Mm -hmm. So with 40 to 50 members of the press submitting questions, I'll grant you there's a lot to sift through there. But that's bothersome. Yeah. I, I, would, I would rather have the opportunity to ask my own question because the other thing that has happened is questions are submitted and they're reworded. Wow. And in the rewording, perhaps... You're not getting the answer. The, the intent of the question is changed. Mm. So I have, I have issues with the way they're doing things over there right now. All right. And I will tell you from reports that we, because guess what? Media talk to each other. You know, we talk to the people in Tallahassee. We talk to the people at Clemson or in other places where they played college football over the weekend. It's not being done like that at other places. It's only here. Notre Dame and uh, USF this Saturday on the USA Network. Chuck, you'll be on a dot two station. For the countdown to kick off, we'll be on Antenna TV. That's 16.2. Uh, it is on some cable systems and some dishes and direct TVs and things like that, but not all of them. I'm sorry. It's a... Decision out of my control. NBC has coverage of the U.S. Open Golf Tournament. They view golf's one of golf's four majors and its national championship as higher caliber programming than Notre Dame and USF. And you know what? Outside of South Bend, Indiana, they're right. The local NBC affiliate in South Bend does not have the choice to just pluck and choose what they want to run. So... Going to have to watch the game on USA Network this week. And the pregame show, it streams live at WNDU.com. You can watch it that way. Or you can watch it on 16.2. But remember, if you're watching it on 16.2, change the station at the end of Countdown to Kickoff, or you'll be getting Give Me a Break with Nell Carter. <laughs> I like to watch Countdown to Kickoff because you throw me a few little educational nuggets that I kind of throw out with my buddies while I'm watching the game. Give an example, if you would, please. Uh, let's see here. I think that tight end that you were just mentioning uh, that can play right now, baby Gronk, 250, yeah. six foot whatever. Well, I and I picked Kyron Williams as my X factor. Yeah. 
earlier in the game. I believe I said something like, you know, the guys did say somewhere in the ballpark of 31-15, 27-14, around there. So this feels about right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let's segue into high school. You had quite a, a game on Friday night to uh, call. The, this was the most fun game that we've done this year. Cool. Warsaw and Mishawaka. Of course, you had terrific storylines going into it. Bart Curtis, the Warsaw coach, used to coach at Mishawaka. He was the one responsible for hiring Keith Kinder. Kinder started as a junior high coach, worked his way up to offensive coordinator, now the head coach at Mishawaka. It was Mishawaka's first game as a member of the Northern Lakes Conference. Uh, They were 0-2 coming in, having lost to ranked teams in Marion and Elkhart. Warsaw was 2-1. They didn't really have a marquee win to hang their hat on. I had been to both practices earlier in the week. And I'd say I've got a pretty good relationship with both coaches. How about their relationship with each other? And their relationship with each other is great. Okay. They talk to each other three times a week normally. Okay. Now, they didn't talk to each other at all last week before the game. And that's fine. There was no, it was not like suddenly there was animosity there or anything. It's just, you know. Getting ready for a game. You don't, you don't want to share because Bart Curtis wants to win. Keith Kinder wants to win. They're both competitive guys. Uh, but having observed the Warsaw practice on Tuesday, Bart was tight. Bart was wound up for that one. Uh, You could tell there was a little extra juice going there, and he wanted to convey that to his team to get them ready. And credit to the Warsaw coaches. They did a great job of getting that team ready. Now, neither defense was exactly stellar in stopping the other team, and they kind of knew that going in. And Bart said in our coach's comments that the defenses would be a mystery, and they were for much of the game. But Warsaw got a couple of big fourth down stops and, quite frankly, had a couple of big calls, three of them, as a matter of fact, go their way. Mishawaka had a play called back, a touchdown called back on a penalty where a receiver was called for a chop block, a block down at the defender's ankles. Well, the reason the receiver was blocking down at the defender's ankles was he was shoved down from behind by a linebacker, and that's where he wound up. So the official should see the whole picture. He didn't, and he threw the flag. The second call was a fourth down conversion attempt by Warsaw. They complete a pass to Luke Adamek, who as he's tackling, who, who as he's being tackled, fumbles the football. The official said he was down. Our replays showed that he clearly was not, and it wasn't really that close. And then the third call was, as Mishawaka's trying to rally at the end of the game, come back and tie it up, Justin Fisher throws a ball that is intercepted by Caden Silvius. Our replay shows that he trapped it on a short hop. But to his credit, and, and this is what players are coached to do too, as he intercepts it, he comes up, holds the ball up, and delivers it to the He sells the call of the interception and got it. So those three calls hurt Mishawaka. But as Keith Kinder would be the first to tell you, what really hurt Mishawaka is they didn't tackle well. I mean, there was a play, <clears throat> there was a play run, and I think it was a Juan Jadamillo touchdown, where he ran the ball into the end zone 
and the Mishawaka players are running away from him because they thought somebody else had the ball. Mm. That's a problem. How long has Bart been in Warsaw? Three years now. Three years. Yeah. Okay. Won a sectional last year, three and one this year. They have a big game with Northridge this weekend. The Raiders have posted three straight shutouts to open the season. First time an Elkhart County team has done that since Jimtown in 2012. First time Northridge has done it since 1975. And Tom Wogeman's team, right on the precipice of being ranked by the coaches' poll, they were ranked in the AP last week, and I think they still will be. Uh, they handed Plymouth a, a pretty good size rear end kicking in that game. And so they meet up with Warsaw this week. That'll be a huge game in the Northern Lakes Conference. I thought some other teams, uh, John Glenn was impressive over the weekend. They beat Jimtown for the first time since 1990. 10-7 the final. Falcons are 3-1. and one. And we'll see. They may have played themselves into a date on TV 46 with Bremen in a couple of weeks. Meanwhile, they play Knox this weekend. Knox wins the Battle of Stark County as they beat North Judson 14 to nothing in that rivalry game. Uh, some other teams that are standing out. Marion looked very impressive in its win over New Prairie over the weekend. So they continue to roll. They're undefeated. And it'll be interesting to see how this Northern Lakes Conference that we just saw one game from shakes out this year because you would say that right now Northridge and Warsaw are in the catbird seat, but Northwood, who didn't play this weekend because Goshen had COVID, uh, Northwood still sits there unbeaten in conference play, and they'll have something to say about it before it's all done. What are you prepping for this weekend? Oh, this weekend we get to see this Elkhart team. Lions. The Lions, undefeated. Some people say they're the best team in northern Indiana. They'll have a chance to prove it against America's villain, or at least Michiana's villain, <laughs> the Penn Kingsman. And Penn went down to East Noble, beat the number two team in 4A over the weekend, 30-24, to 24, screen pass with less than a minute left to win it. And so here come the Kingsmen into Rice Field. Corey, do you know the last time an Elkhart football team, not not one school, just either one of the Elkhart football teams back in the day, Central or Memorial. Do you know the last time they beat Penn? It's probably been a while. 1985. Mm. <laughs> so you were a senior? No, 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 no. I was in college at that time. Now, the last time Elkhart Central beat Penn was 82. I had just graduated in, in the summer of 82, and they won in the fall. Gotcha. So... It's been a while, and if you don't think the juices will get flowing over in the city with an elk this week for the Kingsmen to come a-calling, and Elkhart has looked spectacular so far. They've got a kid named Derek Woods who already has 12 touchdowns this season. Remember, they've only played three games. Had two in the opener and five TDs each of the last two weeks. Wow. That's a few. There are some teams that won't score 12 touchdowns all season. Mm -hmm. So that'll be a fun one Friday night at 645 on Facebook, YouTube, and the Champions Network. Live or tape delay on TV 46 Friday night 11, Saturday morning at 9. Before we jump in the NFL, when do Michigan teams start playing? This weekend. This weekend. Yeah, so excited to see them back out on the field too. Masks 
on. <laughs> that's going to be tough. I don't think it's uh, going to happen. That's going to be tough. I think they'll start the game with it, and then I think it'll fade some, away. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I hunkered down yesterday afternoon for a Bears-Lions tassel. I had the clicker going. Yeah. Between the Bears and the Cubs. More about the Cubs later. But let's focus on the Bears. Early in that game, I found that game to be almost unwatchable. The Bears are moving down the field, trailing 3-0. And Matt Nagy decides to go for it on fourth down for his 35-yard line. They call a pass play with, I forget what receiver, going over the middle. Trubisky has all the time in the world. There is no pressure on him whatsoever. And he throws the ball three feet behind his intended receiver. Not, not three inches, not back shoulder, three feet. At where the receiver tries to stop and reach back for the ball. He can't, nor can the defender who's trailing him on the play. That's how bad the throw was. And I made the comment on Twitter. If Trubisky is truly better than Foles, the Bears may as well just stop the season right now. Now, I'll grant you, anybody can have a bad throw. Mitch had three bad quarters, and the Bears are trailing 23-6 to going to the fourth. They're moving the ball towards the end of the third quarter. But this is how quickly things can change in the NFL. Trubisky was magical in the fourth quarter. Three touchdown passes. They take a 27-23 lead, but they do that with two minutes left. And you thought, okay, well, you scored too early, and Matthew Stafford will bring his team down the field, which is exactly what he did. He brought his team down the field, and he threw a ball to DeAndre Swift towards the end zone. Swift is behind three Bears defenders standing on the goal line, waiting for the ball to come. And here's how it sounded on Lions Radio. Stafford's got it. Three-man rush for Chicago. Stafford loads the throw. And yes! he's up the clock. Oh, he dropped it. Oh, you don't. Oh, no. DeAndre Swift dropped it. It was a touchdown in his hands. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. Wow. Wow. Somehow DeAndre Swift is still a member of the Lions today. <laughs> and the Bears win the football game by a count. Of 27 to 23. Adrian Peterson. He's, well, how old is he? Now, I, I know the answer to this. He's, it reminds me of the scene in Coming to America where I asked Frank Sinatra how old Joe Lewis is. And he said, Joe Lewis is 97 years old. <laughs> uh, Adrian Peterson is 97 years old and still running the, no, he's 35. 35. But for an NFL running back, that's old. Yeah. But he's still getting it done. Oh, my goodness. He looked great yesterday. Of course, he was running against the Chicago Bears. <laughs> so the Bears are 1-0. They win their first season opener, Corey, since the Mark Tressman coaching era back in 2013. Oh, my goodness. So, But enjoy it, Bears fans. You're 1-0. Colts fans cannot say the same. They went down to Jacksonville, and Marlon Mack... I think he tore his Achilles. That's the word we're getting from Indianapolis. So their top running back out with a, an Achilles tear. 
Philip Rivers throws for 363 yards. But the problem is there's lots of room between the 10-yard lines to rack up passing numbers, which Philip Rivers did. But he didn't get him in the end zone enough. And Jacksonville behind the legendary mustache of Gardner Minshew, who throws three touchdown passes and leads the Jaguars to a 27-20 win over the Colts in a game that everybody said, I mean everybody said, oh, easy W for the Colts coming in. Because Jacksonville's offseason moves made it look like they were tanking for Trevor. Everybody thinks that they were trying to get Trevor Lawrence as their quarterback in the draft. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, let's lose as many games as possible. Let's thin out the roster. Let's get rid of talent. Let's be bad this year so we can have Trevor Lawrence. And the Colts said, hold my beer. (laughs) (laughs) You ready to segue into baseball? What a day yesterday up in Milwaukee. So, like I said, I had the clipper, the clicker going. Mm -hmm. And... Cubs build a quick 5 nothing lead in the fourth inning. Uh, they start expanding that lead. Bodie hits a homer. And meanwhile, Alec Mills just keeps throwing curveballs and putting up zeros. I want to hear more about this guy. Alec Mills is a guy, when he went to college at Tennessee Martin, he wasn't on the baseball team. He went to baseball practice and told the coaches, I think I'm as good or not better as of anybody on your team. Can you give me a tryout? So they had him throw a bullpen. And he said, okay, we'll, we'll call you and let you know. They had him come back and throw. And this went on for like a month where he'd come throw bullpens and they kind of strung him out a little, didn't, you know. Finally, they let him walk on. He winds up being drafted in the 22nd round, which is typically where you take players to just fill out your minor league team so that you can have games. They take him in the 22nd round. This was Kansas City who drafted him. Comes up, pitches in relief some for Kansas City, ran out of options with them, and they they did what's called DFA. They designated for assignment, which is basically saying, here's your walking papers. Go wherever. So the Cubs wind up picking him up a couple of years ago. And he pitched a little bit for them last year out of the bullpen primarily, would do a spot start or two. And then this year, uh, he wasn't supposed to be a starter, but Quintana washing dishes cuts himself with a wine glass. And so Alec Mills, okay, you're the you're the fifth starter. We'll we'll throw you out there and see how it goes. First two outings, he was really good, and then he got roughed up a bit, and you thought, ah, this guy on the mound again. The last home game that he pitched in against Pittsburgh, he was terrific. Uh, Six or seven shutout innings, and it's like, okay, good Alec Mills' return. But he had no reason to expect anything was going to be extraordinary yesterday. And if you look at it on the surface, he struck out five, he walked three, so a lot of Hitters are putting the ball into play. But only three balls that were hit yesterday, they do all all kinds of statistical analysis now. Stat cast is what's called in baseball. Only three of the balls hit against him had a better than 50% chance of being a base hit. <laughs> One was by Jed Jerko, I think in the fourth or fifth inning. He hit a deep drive to center that Hap ran down within 
10 feet of the wall. There was a ball that was hit towards Bodie at third. They had a shift on. Bodie came in, had to make an off-balance throw to get Yelich in about the seventh. And there was another ball that, that Javi had to make a nice backhanded play on. But once he had it, you knew it was going to be an out. And so Alec Mills becomes just the 16th player in the Cubs' illustrious history that goes back to 1876. Just the 16th Cub to throw a no-hitter yesterday at Miller Park. And it was the most unassuming no-hitter. He wasn't blowing guys away with a fastball like Nolan Ryan or Zambrano did. It was curveball, slider, changeup, pitch to bad contact. And at the end of the game, so he wears he wears these glasses out on the mound. He doesn't wear them in the dugout, but he wears them on the mound. And he, let's be honest, he looks a, a little geeky out there on the mound. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the end of the game, he said, I really didn't know how to celebrate. And you see him, he's kind of got his hands up on his head watching the final throw from Javi to Rizzo. And he kind of gives like this feeble punch to the air. And then Caratini comes out and hugs him. And the rest of the teammates seem like they're out of their minds happy. And even on Twitter, you know, you see all these other guys, Hap and Rizzo and talking, by the way, Alec Mills threw a no-hitter today. It was great. And Baez saying it's a moment that will stick with him the rest of his life. And Alec Mills is like, yeah, you know, I got 27 Milwaukee Brewers out. And that was, yeah. <laughs> nice, and I'm gonna go water my plants now. It just—he <laughs> was terrific, though. And the Cubs remain in first place ahead of St. Louis in the NL Central. The team on the south side of town, the White Sox. Corey, this is a really exciting young team to watch. Now they remember the Cubs acquired Jose Quintana from the White Sox. And they sent the White Sox to this minor leaguer at the time named Eloy Jimenez, who was playing in South Bend at the time. Yeah. And everybody who saw him in South Bend said, the White Sox got the better of this deal. Wait till you see this kid. And yesterday, for the sixth straight game, Eloy Jimenez hit an extra base hit. In this case, it was a home run. And the White Sox beat the Tigers by a count of 5-2. to two. And they have the best record in the American League right now. Now, they're only one game better than Minnesota. They're still in a divisional race, but they have the best record in the American League right now. And when was the last time you thought you could say that about a White Sox team? Oof. You'd have to probably go back to 2005. I was going to say 05. Yeah. yeah. So, terrific job by Rick Hahn and the management team there, Ricky Renteria, pushing all the right buttons. And they're... They're fun to watch right now. They're, they've got an explosive offense. Their pitching staff has been dominating in some games. And uh, the White Sox, two weeks to go in this baseball season now, Corey. Just two weeks left. Seems like we just started. And they're sitting pretty. They're certainly going to go to the playoffs. It's just a matter of what their seeding position will be. Remember, the way they do it this year is they take the three divisional leaders and you're ranked by your record. So if you were to do it today, it would be... The White Sox would be one, uh, Tampa Bay would be two, and Oakland would be three. Okay. And then you take five more teams, the five next best records, and you slot them in. 
So right now, the White Sox would be playing Houston in a three-game series at guaranteed rate field. The Rays would be playing the Yankees, three-game series in Tampa Bay. Okay. Let's switch it over to the National League. I believe right now, or as of yesterday, I didn't check the standings this morning for the National League, but as of yesterday, the Cubs would be the three-seed They'd have to play the Cardinals in a three-game series at Wrigley. I don't know any Cub fan that feels really comfortable about that, but that's the way that would play out. And you got to win the best of three. Best of to three to moving. move on. Wow. Okay. Okay. Well, let's see here. We're almost at the end of our list, NBA. NBA, yesterday, and I can't say I followed this, but yesterday the Nuggets beat the Clippers which forces a Game 7 in that Western Conference semifinal. The winner of that series gets the Lakers in the Conference Finals. Good luck. Uh, most people expect it to be the Clippers. They had a 3-1 lead in this series. Now it's 3-3 with Game 7 Tuesday night. Also Tuesday night will be the first game of the Eastern Conference Finals between Boston, which eliminated the defending world champion Raptors, and Miami, which has lost one playoff game in the first two series. The Heat have been living up to their name. They've been red hot. Jimmy Butler has played exceedingly well, and they've had a lot of help for him. But they'll take on a Boston team that, of course, coached by the former Butler coach Brad Stevens. A lot of people expect Boston to win that series. I wouldn't expect it handed to him on a silver platter, though. Jimmy Butler's birthday today, 11th round draft pick by the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, he's blossomed pretty nicely, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, I love that. I love it. Did you say he went to Marquette? Yes. Oh, okay. I don't think he was 11th round. He might have been the 11th pick in the draft. Sorry, 11th pick. Yeah, that that's a little bit different. It was early still, when I saw that. No, that's okay. Mm-hmm. You have the word broadcasters on the... Well, you made some comments on Twitter over the weekend. Yes. And, um, you know... Let, let's let open up the door a little bit. You missed last week for some health episodes. Non, Non-COVID, people. Don't nope. worry. He's fine. Got tested twice. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. He doesn't have the COVID, but he had some health issues, and I'm just thinking that you're taking some prescriptions that skew your judgment. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. You made a comment about you really like Jack Collinsworth on the NBC broadcast. Mm-hmm. I couldn't disagree with you more. And and here's why. Okay. No, you you go ahead and give why you like him, and then I'll tell you why I don't. Uh, I liked him because he went there. I liked his voice. Uh, I was watching kind of as I was with a group of people, so I just kind of noticed. Uh, but I just liked the way he presented himself. Now, as the game progressed, and then we got to the end of the game, I was kind of like, ah. Uh, he asked the exact same questions of the head coach and Ian Book, and I thought, okay, maybe he wasn't as great as I thought he was in my head. All right, I'll, I'll give you that. So I did not delete that tweet, but I thought at the beginning, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm interested in this. Now, I love Tony Dungy yes, on the broadcast. that you and I agree on. That I love. And that seemed to be the sentiment I, I put out there on Twitter over the weekend. I gave my comments. I thought Tony Dungy added a different perspective on the broadcast, one that they weren't getting before from Doug Flutie. That's not necessarily Doug Flutie's fault. Doug Flutie was not a coach. Doug Flutie was not a defensive-minded person. 
He could analyze quarterbacks and things like that. But Tony Dungy clearly had done his preparation, uh, clearly has a defensive mind so he could tell you what defenses were trying to do and why offenses were or were not working against them. And I thought he just added a fresh perspective on the game. He's not a character at all. He is a cool, he calm, is he is. collected, you know. They say he was a, when he was a senior he came and met with Era and yeah. you know, had a conversation. So he knows of Notre Dame, he knows of the you know, tradition. And and he talked about how excited he was that he was up at like 5:30 in the morning cuz he yeah. couldn't wait to get to the stadium and uh, Mike Tirico is the pro's pro. I think he's as good as anybody that's on right now. If you're taking somebody that can do everything, yeah, you know, which he does. So I have great respect for Tirico. I just, I think Jack Collinsworth is on the game because his last name is Collinsworth, mm-hmm. and that bothers me. Um, I and I know there's nepotism in every industry, including broadcasting. And it it stands to reason that some the son of somebody who is in broadcasting, you would think that they would do well at that. But I don't see the work ethic from him. I don't see the preparation. And that's what's bothersome. Okay. So then you mentioned uh, off air today how you really like Dick Stockton's voice on the Bears game mm-hmm. yesterday. And I won't argue with you that his voice is terrific. I just don't know that he knows what's going on. How so? Well, for one, he was uh, he was lauding that it was a wise decision for the Bears to go with it on that fourth down pass where I told you Trubisky threw it three feet behind his receiver. At a time where it was certainly within the range of Santos to kick a 52-yard field goal. And the Bears eschewed the opportunity to tie the game. Instead, put it in the hands of a quarterback that hadn't done anything all day to that point and then proved that he hadn't done anything all day by doing even worse. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think he always knew um, what was... There were times in the game where it seemed like his description was not of the play that I was watching. Oh, okay. There was something in the third or fourth quarter where there might have been a hint of a turnaround by the Bears, and he said, oh, and he he built it up way up more than it should have been. It was like one play. He's trying to keep you watching the yeah, game. Yeah, that that, that one was a little over the top. It was like, eh, when you're down that far, I don't know about that. Let let the game unfold. But yeah, I thought his voice as a broadcaster. Wow. Let me ask you this. Let, let this be our final whatever. How do you feel about Vin Scully being on Twitter? Good for him. I mean, now I, I've i heard some behind the scenes of how that account is being handled. He's not actually sitting there at his phone texting Tweeting. things in. Mm-hmm. He is saying to somebody what he wants to say, and they put it in. Okay. Which is perfect. The man's 92. He He's earned that right to mm-hmm. do that. And he said he's not going to get into controversies with people. I don't think any. Who wants to get into a controversy with your grandpa? No. You know? 
I you, like that they've dug out like old photographs if he's talking about something in particular. Yes. I like uh I I like that and I love I love when someone like that does jump on social media and just watching numbers escalate. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Go through the roof. But that just shows how many people revere him. Yeah. As the voice of baseball for the last half century, which is, really is what he's been. Mm-hmm. And God bless him. Let him have fun and let him entertain and educate us as long as he can. Because it's clear you see, or at least I do, I see the difference. He's only been not calling games now for, I think, three years. But you can see some deterioration physically yeah. and he's had he'll be the first to tell you yeah he's he's had falls he's you know he's not the same he's selling a lot of his memorabilia to raise money for his grandkids and and family to have as a way of trying to take care of him because he's like this stuff doesn't do me any you know yeah. i can't take it with me yep so he he's very practical from that standpoint i think that's another thing i like about him too he seems like the neighbor that you would want to have i like that i like that chuck sports yak is on twitter with two k's sports yak with two k's you're on twitter as well at 46 sports i was asking chuck off mic if he gets to just kibitz with the buddies about sports you kind of do that on twitter as well you're good at you know commenting and Kind of going back and forth with people a little bit. Give a little something. As long as I think your point is discussion worthy, I'll discuss it with you. Okay. If you're outlandish, certainly if you're profane, uh, not going to interact. What if it's a mediocre meme? Probably not. Okay. Just no. want to make sure. No. As always, thanks for listening. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode, no matter when an episode pops up. Which it will later this afternoon. Until next time, Yak fans. Ooga Luga, Carlos Santana. Ooh, you're so smooth. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sport Check. Sport Check. Sport Check is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.